Before you leave, don't look down. God will help you spread your wings. My baby needs some milk and honey. My baby needs some milk and honey. Never ask me why she said goodbye. Why baby dine at white walls? Cigarettes over skyfall. Riding this life is my song. Don't ask me why she hesitated. Almost waited, waiting room. Played it up in heaven soon. Soon I will see the king. And he reminds me. Some get presents before they even ready. I can see that she loves me. I know her heart is heavy. Vacation nation, baby, help me testify. Well, you know I hate goodbye, bye bye blue. Somebody let the yellow in, bye bye blue. I'm gonna fall in love again on a lonely road where happiness needs us. You my baby, you my baby. I'm your baby, I'm your baby. You my baby, you my baby. I'm your baby, I'm your baby. On a lonely road where happiness needs us, I'm gonna fall in love again. On the lonely road where happiness needs us. Telephonication nation, baby, help me testify. Well, you know I hate goodbyes. Bye bye blue. Somebody let the yellow in. Bye bye blue. I'm gonna fall in love again. On a lonely road where happiness needs us. You my baby, you my baby. I'm your baby, I'm your baby. episode uh quentin qntr very serious is the episode and we're going to just talk about what the fuck is going on in the world um in wrestling and outside of wrestling right now because yeah i mean i don't know about you quentin i've watched a little bit of wrestling here and there but it all seems kind of pointless to even talk about right now um how how uh yeah how what's your kind of takeaway how have you been feeling lately yeah, I'm in. I'm in the same spot as sort of keeping an eye on things and seeing like, oh shit, like the New Japan Cup is about to start and all that stuff, and that seems fun. But like, black women are still getting killed, and the all the cops arrested in the murder of Brianna Sailor still haven't been arrested, and we're still like fighting these battles every single day, and the police in Seattle are still abusing their power and never took it, never took any deliberation at all before, uh, you know, going back to their abusive ways. Once the mayor had decided that what they were doing was, uh, excessive force. Uh, obviously Trump and 
him gearing up for a re-election and deciding that he was going to hold a rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, for the site of the greatest act of domestic terrorism in, uh, in, in American history. Yeah. And like, it's a, it's a lot to take in. So, you know, excuse me if watching wrestling just, you know, it doesn't feel right for me. It's not, it's not the same escape that it would be, uh, in years past or months past and especially is it now when what we've been doing as an escape from wrestling was going back and watching uh uk and european wrestling stuff and even that obviously doesn't it, it just wouldn't sit right with me coming back and doing a european review when we have all this stuff going on right now the last couple of days oh, yeah i know i mean even it seems like even the non like European born wrestlers that were very popular in the scene at the time they were going to talk about, you know, allegations have come out about, um, in the past couple of days here. And it's been, I don't know. It's been, it's been impossible. I mean, you know, I, I mentioned like being a, a paid protester as kind of a, a slight joke. Um, cause at my work a couple weeks back, they like gave us a, half hour time period at the end of the day where they wanted everyone who was available in a non-emergency setting to go outside and, and stand in solidarity with the protests that were going on. And it was, it was kind of surreal to be in that situation. You know what I mean? Where my employer is literally like paying people to do like a employee sanctioned employer sanctioned protest, or, or at least stand in solidarity for what was going on. Um, and it's like, you don't even have time to breathe in between that and everything else that's going on. I, I like to think that I'm like, in a in the bubble of being in Southern California where people are more liberal, but there's lynchings happening in Southern California, like people are found. Yeah, the the yeah Robert Robert Fuller being, <laughs> or the, the brother of Robert Fuller being killed, rather. Yeah, and for it to be deemed a suicide, which is just a fucking joke, and it's just like God, like how do. I don't know, man. How do you like, how do you focus on anything right now? And then after kind of starting to feel a little bit positive today, there was an event uh, that was like titled like rebuilding Los Angeles um, that was at the park that was pretty cool. And it was like peaceful. And it seemed like, you know, yesterday, a lot of people were trying to celebrate and party and and still have stuff on their minds positively. And then today it's like, let's let's try to continue to move forward positively and it's like even in even as like one side of things is feeling like at least here not to say calming down but at least hitting an equilibrium where it doesn't feel as aggressive and violent and contentious directly with the state it's like then now it's like everything on social media is these allegations that vary from being disgusting to being like bone chillingly terrifying and horrifically violent and i just I, I've never felt the, like, I need to step away from social media thing that people talk about, but I really was feeling it the past couple of days that I was kind of like, I think I need to just not keep reading stuff on Twitter right now for my own, yeah. my own wall building. But, but again, like, that's, who fucking cares? I, like, brought it up to my wife. I didn't want to talk to her about it, but I, I brought up the specifically the Matt Riddle story just because of how much that stuck with me. And I even had to say to her, like, I kind of know that that's male privilege for me to even say like that this sounds so horrific because for women that can be, that's just their life and they don't have the option to just 
log off of Twitter and stop reading about it because it's go- it's something that that can happen to them at, in any moment of the day. So it's just yeah. especially especially with these males in positions of power where someone like a Matt Riddle has been you know like the talk of the rest of the wrestling bubble for you know since since he's come in here and the fact that you have to live with the fact that your abuser is on national television getting huge pushes and stuff like that like I can't begin to imagine how infuriating that 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 feeling may be and that's like and, and that's and that's part of it, it I, I I don't even know where, where to start on that one but going back to you and like the in the social media and at some point stepping away or feeling like you have to, you have to step away like for me all I've been consuming is like I watched 13th again um stuck with me a lot in terms of how similar Richard Nixon and Donald Trump are in terms of the verbiage used and um how Richard Nixon flat out attacked or, or like waged a war on protesters waging from the Black Panthers and Black Power movement all the way down to anti-war and women and women's liberation and gay rights to down to what Trump is doing right now and it's horrifying uh watching Selma and I think the the people that romanticize their version of the civil rights movement and how Martin Luther King did things the right way forgetting the fact that Martin Luther King was still viewed as a, as a nuisance and that J. Edgar Hoover did everything he could to destroy Martin Luther King's life uh, watching the Black Panther uh, Vanguard to the Revolution and how they killed a 21 year old Fred Hampton that preached nothing but unity nothing rad- nothing radical nothing violent, non-violent and killed a man in his sleep at 4am with a submachine gun and destroying the Black Panther from the inside, and J. Edgar Hoover having a good old laugh about it. Like that's what that's what I've been consuming because my mind can't be elsewhere. Because if my mind was elsewhere, as a black man living through the most sustained protests ever, I would feel like I'm not doing my job. And the fact that then like what I take like one step out of it, and then like peek back into what's happening in wrestling, this hobby that I've had for however long in my life and has been a part of my life for so long and the next thing I know was filled with non-stop horrific and terrifying and disgusting allegations against all these performers it's 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 really a lot to take in yeah I mean it's been it's been a crazy it's already was a crazy year and it's just getting oh yeah and then, and then and then and then COVID numbers spiking granted I granted I live in Maryland and Maryland has done a pretty good job at um, at still like slowly reopening and not going full hog with this. So I'm not so like I'm 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 very thankful that I live in a, that I've lived in a place where the spiked COVID numbers aren't aren't really affecting me. But the fact that like COVID is spiking in so many places it, on top of all this too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we we were doing a good job, but it seems like political pressure has led them to just throw it out the window and. Now we'll see what fucking happens because everything in California and Los Angeles is opening back up and they're they're treating it as if nothing is happening anymore and, and our numbers are increasing as well. So we'll see. <laughs> we got COVID. I mean, the George Floyd, I mean, I talked about the the nature of some of the stories that we're hearing being 
you know, so disgusting. But the George Floyd video, I mean, it was. I understand. I mean, people try to act as if like, why is this the time that people are speaking out? And I mean, that video is is just too viscerally disgusting to to watch to not I, see. I I I, I said uh, like to our, to our, to our friends privately that it's wild to me that this video is the one that like that hits everybody like even before Donald Trump went off the deep end and started fucking talking about uh we they start looting we start shooting on some, on some George Wallace shit like before before that really even happened even Donald Trump was like yeah that video is fucking terrible yeah do you understand how bad it has to be for Donald Trump to think that for him to say that when th- with the things that have happened to uh Philando Castile and uh Alton, Alton Sterling and uh the the Sandra Bland stuff that we have and the things that have happened to Laquan McDonald and Michael Brown and everything like everything where like this excessive for this force was clearly unnecessary that this was the video that made people realize like Jesus Christ that's ho- that's horrific and yeah. part of but part and part of me is like so confused by that but a part of me is like I know this I guess thankful like look here like now you understand what we've been saying this whole fucking time that why is he doing this why is he doing that he didn't have to do that yeah no i mean yeah this the, the, that video was like i said like impossible to to watch and not come away with with um with basically being pissed off being emotional in some way it's you know it, it definitely hurts to see it's definitely enraging it's like I totally get why it set everyone off. And one thing that's that stuck with me, and it was the first time that I was involved in like the you know taking a knee eight minute thing, is like how uncomfortable it was for me. And then thinking yeah. about how uncomfortable it had to have been to be George Floyd. You know, like it, just having my knee on the concrete was uncomfortable for eight minutes. But you have someone's knee in the back of your neck for eight minutes. It's unthinkable literal torture like yeah literal torture you feel yourself dying people who practice mma and they come out and be like yeah there's a reason why that's fucking illegal yeah there's a reason why you can't do that these are the toughest fighters in the world and they're still like oh yeah that would that would kill somebody you can't you can't you can't do that right but police officers can do that to like unarmed civilians and one thing that like really that stuck with me the most when uh watching the Black Panther Vanguard to the Revolution thing, which I highly recommend anybody to watch if you're not familiar with the Black Panther with Black Panther history, um, is how I'm, I'm not I'm not sure if you're aware of this either. You might be, but how like the LA how like the LAPD was the first one to have a uh, have a have a SWAT team basically. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The 1966 it founded, and then in 1969 the first ever high risk warrant uh slash like no knock raid that was ever executed by the by the SWAT team was executed on the Black Panthers. And seeing that and then seeing where we where we are like nearly fit like fifty years later with the no knock raid that happened to Brianna Taylor like just had my blood boiling. Especially when the fact that like the Black Panthers legally armed uh, especially at, especially at the time in uh, 
in the California in the California government, where if you're going to have a, a firearm, it needed to be shown, which was again an actual law that they were following, uh, and how the police treated them, versus shooting up someone's house on a no knock on a no knock raid, when it, it wasn't even the right fucking house, and there were no drugs there. And arresting the boyfriend for shooting back when you didn't even when you didn't announce your presence, and then trying to pin the the murder of a woman that was involved in no type of drug activities on her boyfriend that was protecting it that was protecting his household, and no one being arrested about that yet. And I've all and I've been about the the funding of police in redistributing those resources into more efficient things so all the things they say about inner city and black communities and uh latinx communities can be changed so give us so give them resources as to where they have other options so they're not doing the things that you think only plague uh black and latinx communities give us the resources give us the chances to go and do these things and it just made everything come full circle for me in a way that like I just hadn't experienced that before and where it's like I felt my mind just like 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 the snap going back to Breonna Taylor in 2020 and I, I that, that that for me was like one of the biggest moments that I've had uh I guess in the last few weeks like trying to process everything yeah I mean yeah you mentioned it there and I was mentioning it earlier about liking to believe that I'm in this bubble of being in you know culturally progressive Southern California but like Los Angeles fucking invented police brutality. Like the LAPD is like was the the the, the standard bearer yeah. for police brutality that started how, you know the Watts riots, um, and and the the LA riots uh, around Rodney King, and so it is like there is a history. Uh, like we're doing much better now. I will say that based on what I see from other cities, Los Angeles Police Department has done pretty well. Um, but I still, you know, obviously I still hear people talking a bunch of shit about the government here and the police here, and rightfully so. Fuck them. You know, they're doing slightly better, but I heard um, Cornell West, and I, he was quoting, I can't remember who, uh, might have been MLK, but he said, you know, like, you don't stick a knife in someone nine inches deep and then pull it back to six and, and start to brag about the, the progressive movement that you've made. Um, you know, because it's like... Yeah, we're doing better in Los Angeles, but it's still fucking terrible. <laughs> They're still murdering it, people. Yeah, like it's gone from like downright like completely like completely murderous, like running in Black Panther headquarters with full intention of killing everyone in that house to oh yeah, well someone got lynched, but we'll, but we'll figure it out. Right, exactly. You know, and 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 maybe standing down slightly when people are protesting and, and calling you a piece of shit. I'm not, you know, tear gassing the, the, the march, but still, I mean, still directly intimidating and going out of their way to show force. The National Guard was in full effect. Um, you know, when I'd ride around in downtown, I saw, you know, vehicles of war, implements of war on the streets of the city to enforce what? To enforce people not. We got to we got to wage war on crime. You know, we got to quote our old boy Richard Nixon here. Yeah, like, exactly. We got we to we got a war on crime. Uh, you know, and the crime being, you know, using your First Amendment, apparently, yeah. <laughs> while people literally protested the fact that they had to wear masks for the sake of everyone's public safety and health and walked around with fucking rifles and got in cops faces with rifles. And those cops did not do a fucking thing. 
in yeah, like, and that's yeah, like I, I'm, I'm someone where it's like I don't I don't say this as a, as a badge of honor, but like I don't cry a lot, you know, like I don't sit there and see something and like cry immediately. Like my eyes might start well, like like a scene in the show that I relate to or hits me in a movie and like the emotion like might hit me, but like I don't cry a lot other than the fact of like people in my life have died, right? Like, but it's been so fucking hard for me not to cry looking at this stuff. Just an anger, sadness, despair, anything. Like I'll tell you I'll tell you I'll tell you how fucked up my mind is dealing with this, right? Is that seeing this stuff and seeing how amazing people are doing with these peaceful protesting and realizing that if we continue to do the rioting and looting, which hey, I have no problem with because um, look, nothing, nothing belongs to us, and if that's what gets people to pay attention, then I'm all for it. But people realizing that hey, they're they're gonna make us out to be this and that if we keep doing that. Let's peacefully protest. So when they beat us, when they tear gas us, when they do whatever, they see that we did nothing wrong. Cool. I can't even watch these protests sometimes without the feet like the sinking fear that man. What if one of these fucking Trump MAGA people just shoots up this protest? And I keep thinking about it over and over and over again. When I see these crowds of thousands of people uh, having fun and dancing and protesting and exercising their rights and just doing just doing the right thing, that someone could so easily just fucking destroy that and take innocent lives. And... I'm not sure if anyone else is thinking about this. This could easily just be me overthinking, but like I have to try my hardest not to lose my mind, even just watching someone protest at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's really tough. And the way that things are going right now, it does, that does come to mind. Like just how in an instant, some crazy person could make a really insane decision and it couldn't be, really stopped in any way um so it is it's just it's scary but it feels worth it you know and like i said luckily i've had i've been involved in very little run-ins with the police over the past couple weeks um you know more the like the the craziest thing is just them being there you know what i mean and just being around not necessarily directly saying anything i did have one cop yell something at me as i was just like riding away um God knows what the fuck he was, you know, saying. I just kept going, um, didn't turn back to to figure out what it was. But you know, it's just like stupid, something stupid like that, where it's just like, leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> like, why are you trying to hassle me? Because you know, I was involved in a protest and I'm leaving, and you're mad that I'm, you know, leaving for something. Like, I I don't fucking know what his problem was, but it's like, you know, this like weird state mandated bullying that's happening. Um, on top of the extra kind of extrajudicial murder um, and and then also just the fucking insane people outside who are talking about Boogaloo like I don't know if you've if you heard much about that the Boogaloo boys the people that are like happy or interested or excited about the idea of a second civil war starting um, and it's like they range the gambit from being just like civil war enthusiasts who just think it would be cool to like people who are actively like acceler accelerationists who want to start it and like i mean there's no there's no proof but there's anec 
anecdotal anecdotal like stories and and kind of people pointing out like ideas that the 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 stuff where people say that like the protests are or not the protests but like the rioting and looting are being like fomented by outside agitators and it's like there is some truth to yeah yeah yeah, i've definitely seen videos like proving that that being true what ranging from like cops doing that uh people i guess quote-unquote posing posing as antifa in order to make antifa seem like a terrorist group um and all that and, and all and all that kind of stuff um i guess like for me uh i guess like a, a couple more points before we can head off with this particular topic but um the the fact that people still think or like white like i'll never get that like the white mind in how saying that something matters or should matter is this cry for supremacy apparently and, and i'll never understand how, how that keeps getting warped uh like the phrase black lives matter uh when it first came around was still was being warped into this black supremacy and the all lives matter thing and everything that people combat like used to use to combat that and uh and, and suppress the black the black the black voices that were wishing for equality and We've kind of, we've kind of moved on from that, and there are people that will still say all lives matter, but for the most part, we've kind of moved on from that. And now it's getting to a point where people are making all lives matter political. I mean, all well, lives matter, Black Lives Matter, uh, a political thing apparently. And again, it's like, what the fuck do white people think? It's not political. It's basic human rights. It's the basic human right to live and not fear the police that are driving that are dri- that are driving down the street and driving by you at night and not feel and not fearing for your life that's a that's a basic human right the basic human right to go jogging and for some white people to not to 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 not assume that you have a weapon on you and take it upon themselves to deliver some uh good old neighborhood neighborhood justice and corner a black man and shoot him with a fucking shotgun like this is a human rights issue, and this this goes back to Colin Kaepernick and how Kaepernick originally. I think people. This is my favorite thing about Kaepernick, right? Is that people actually forget how the protesting started when the seasons when the, when the preseason stuff started, and he began his protesting. I don't know if you remember this, Tim, but do you remember that Colin Kaepernick was ori- was originally sitting on the bench yep. when he was protesting? Yep. Yeah, and, and I, yeah, I know the story on this, but yeah. Yeah, and then that. What actually happened, and when people got mad about that, that and people started making it about the troops and disrespecting the flag and America and this and that, you know what Colin Kaepernick did? He actually talked to the you know some American troops, some troops that you know serve serve our country, the troop the troops that that supposedly we care about their opinions and how they feel so much, right? Those troops told Colin Kaepernick that instead of sitting on the bench, that we'd be we'd feel better if you took a knee, and he did that. That was the troops telling him that. Right. So now he changes how he protested, and he's still getting told they're disrespecting the flag, the troops, America, this, that, and the third. And it just proves like the like the kind of white people I'm talking about are never fucking satisfied, and they're so full of shit at every turn mm-hmm. that even the same troops that you supposedly care so fucking much for, they gave their opinion on it. They had a problem with this protest and said, if you're going to do this, though, do us a favor and kneel. He did that 
and you still aren't satisfied and sort of make up these false fucking reasons as to why he's disrespecting you and why you don't feel comfortable with it. You just like being racist. At some point, just admit that. But we have, but like, we have to keep hiding behind these veils of why we're uncomfortable with certain things. Why, uh, I got, I have a, I have a Black Lives Matter pen, right? And I, and I wear, and I wear it at work. And this, uh, dude who, who, uh, who runs a self checkout for the, uh, for the night shift, uh, saw my pen, and he came up, he came up, he came up to me, and he was, uh, like he's a dude that that makes jokes a lot and all that and all that kind of stuff. But he came, he came up to me. He's like, "Yeah, man, I'm gonna get a pen that says, uh, that says Purple Lives Matter." And like, I didn't oh, respond fuck. to it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't respond to it. But man, I'm like, man, what the fuck is wrong with you? And like, and he comes back to me again. He's like, "Yeah, man, I'm gonna get one. You know, the Brown Lives Matter, a Yellow Lives Matter, uh, duh." And then it's like, "Yeah, all this defund the police, and you know, then what happens? And you know, and then you get and, so, and someone's dying." They called nine one one. No one's gonna come. And then he's like, "Yeah, why don't we do that?" Uh, and say you're say, "Oh no, this person's having a, this person's having a heart attack," and now no one's gonna come. Guess what? You just die. And he's just like, "I'm just like, man, like, what the fuck is wrong with you?" This and, the, the cops like, <laughs> are gonna show up to to you're having a heart attack. I need the cops to show up to shoot me. Like, what the fuck are the cops gonna do about you having a heart attack, anyways? I guess I, I guess implying that like. You're gonna call like what like when are, like when are we gonna stop like night like so we get rid of the cops then we're gonna get rid of the then we're gonna get rid of EMTs apparently yes that makes is sense it, is it is it is his is his line of thinking Jesus Christ. in <laughs> I thought about that for like days on end yeah and, like, it's like like I don't know how fuck and I understand part of me understands how like that kind of brain sees the fund the police and that's what they jump to they think just get rid of cops they get they think get rid of like any type of law enforcement or uh any 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 type of thing like that but to sit there and like cut like still sit there and say some shit about a black lives matter pen to sit there and make some fucking joke to me about a black lives matter pen i should have punched him in his fucking face but obviously i can't like i'm Leaving work, I'm assaulting. I'm assaulting a coworker. Like that'll that'll lead to me losing my job. But I should punch him in his fucking face. And you know, I guess like that's the type of shit that I've had. I've had to deal with figuring I mean, this, figuring this out. It's fucking insane. It's like it's really easy when it feels like it's separate from you, and it's 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 crazy. It's crazy to see something like that and think that it's a joking matter in any way. It's like people are dying it's not um, a like, joke a man got killed in front of his wife and child uh, another man got slowly tortured to death other people have gotten shot not like from ranging from like fucking seven to 16 times don't many times like do you understand like when you're shooting like a handgun how quick how many how much time it takes to like shoot someone 16 times yeah that's I mean, most guns like, don't even have sixteen bullets. Like, like I don't think, like I don't think people are really like processing some of the shit that they're saying. To do the stuff that you that you do to people, that's not funny. That's not a a joke. That's not like some isolated. Well, that's not a rep- that's not representative of all the things that are hap- that that are that are happening here. If you want to take that stance, go right on ahead. 
But if you're telling me that this doesn't happen enough as to where, like, this shouldn't be addressed and it shouldn't be a problem, then at that point, I don't want to speak to you. I don't want you in my life. I don't want you to, I don't want you to fucking look at me. Because you're never going to, because it's never, it's never going to cross your mind until a cop kills your kills your son, kills a friend of yours, kills uh, someone else's kid that you knew, and... It doesn't matter if they're like, maybe maybe they're white and something and something happens and maybe then you realize like oh that was excessive force, but you're not gonna get it until something happens to you, right? And that sucks to say, and I really hate saying that because I'm someone that likes to think that people can that people can try to learn and be better. A lot of people a lot of people do that. A lot of people like ranging from how we used to use a. Uh, certain homophobic homophobic and sexist and misogynistic and racist language and we eventually got older and learned it wasn't learned it wasn't okay and we changed the way we talked and we got more respectful and we try to be better i understand people try to be better and people people can be better but the fact that i see so many people who don't even want to try to be better and i know this isn't the majority of america but that that just makes it like so disheartening to see sometimes and part of why like you want to stay on social media because i know that's not the majority of americans i know it's not but running into a guy like that that still doesn't fucking get it it kind of it makes you it makes you lose hope sometimes yeah no i mean talking and thinking about this it, it and you mentioning like people's initial reaction to hearing black lives matter maybe for the first time without thinking it through kind of thought about you know the first time i heard it i i instinctually got it i understood the point isn't supremacy in any way it's it's actually saying the counter it's you know saying like we need to speak up so that people realize that black lives matter because right now they're being treated like they don't right that's pretty fucking basic the first time i heard it i understood that now we've got randy orton's figured it out great um but so many people who the first thing that when they hear that they react to it like you said that it's some kind of supremacy thing i mean I, i i just guess it's people who have a different life exposure different whatever but this kind of made me think and it made me think about when like when i realized that i had like uh white privilege basically and it's funny because this happened to me when i was in high school and you know this is before people talked about white privilege as really as blatantly out there as much it might have been middle school but it was you know a long time ago i'm i'm an older i'm older than you for sure but you know when i was in high school people didn't talk about white privilege that much but, you know, I, I grew up in a largely Latinx community. My my father's half Mexican um, on my grandmother's side. Like, you know, uh, f- uh, his my grandmother was uh, first generation. Well, it's a weird thing because my great great grandmother and father were born in Mexico, but it was a part of California that was Mexico. And, okay. uh, you know, it's a part of Mexico that became California, basically. Um, so they were allowed citizenship for being living in American land or whatever, but they were never, they never actually immigrated or whatever, which is fucking crazy. Um, either way, all that happened. Um, but so I primarily hung out with, you know, Latino people. Um, and I was hanging out with a friend of mine and we're at his place and we're talking and it was just kind of like, you know, I was not really joking, but just talking about how 
like, oh, I can't stand white people, which became such a trope of, you know, like white people who say that they can't stand white people. This is high school. So forgive me for being fucking, you know, ridiculous or cringy, making kind of those kind of jokes and stuff. But in a lot of ways, I, I believed it. And, and my friend who's like, it's really cool Chicano artist. He, you know, I, I specifically remember one night he got super drunk and was telling me how he would kill, he would shoot people for me, blah, blah, blah. I don't think he was ever involved in a gang or had a gun, but you know, when you're young and, and you're trying to deal with the machismo of like becoming a man, especially for him who, you know, didn't have a father figure or stuff like that, you know, you deal with it in different ways, whatever. But, you know, we were really close friends like that, that where he was, you know, when he's drunk and crying, he's saying, man, I would kill somebody for you. But uh, he looked at me when I was talking about how I don't like white people. And he's like, do you think that saying stuff like that makes people look at you and not think that you're white? And that was really when I'm like, I realized like white privilege, like it doesn't fucking matter what I do or say or how much of an ally I try to be or how much I don't get along or relate to other white people. When people see me, they still see a, a white man, no matter what. And that's like, you know, that's lucky. That's lucky for me. And it's a good thing for me in a lot of ways, but it's also just the truth. There's nothing that I can ever do that I'll ever do. That'll make people look at me and not see a white man. And that's like in this society, that's a, a benefit and a privilege and it's also like makes it so i'm blind to the experiences and the things that non-white people have to deal with you know and that's just the truth but yeah like hearing you talk about like people's natural instinct to to think that black Lives matter means black supremacy and even people really even thought the same thing about like the black panthers and it's like i mean black, the black panthers were called the greatest threat to american safety yes by the head of the Federal Bureau of Investigations. Like, I need people to understand, like, the image that people painted of the Black Panthers, or even just regular, like, Black Power people, like Angela Davis, getting put on trial. Angela Davis has no... Like, yeah. like a fucking like, a professor at Santa Clara University, I'm pretty sure. Um, like, regardless of... Like, where did Black Panthers have guns? Of course. But most Black Panthers themselves will tell you that unless they were deliberately fucked with, in the case of the in the case of the uh, the main shooting where the SWAT team was sent to them in 1969, the Black Panthers were primarily nonviolent. The only thing that they practiced was their right to bear arms. That's what they practiced, especially as written by California state law. Where if you have a we where if you had a weapon, it needs to be brandished in public so people can see it. That was a law. That was a real thing. Yeah. And the like, the Black Panthers weren't like the black panthers weren't even about black supremacy <laughs> like, no like that's and that, yeah. and that and that's as and that's as radical as it gets before you get the fucking like marcus garvey meeting with meeting with clan members and agreeing with them that we should go go back to being segregated like that like that like that like that's as far as we get before before we get to like things like that but even the black panther party was still for the most part a non-violent party in I think every any anything that's ever resembled the idea of like black people rising up is always scared America and it got shot down. In the case of the Black Panthers, it led to them all getting arrested or getting killed or you know like literally, literally sending in fucking like uh, informants to rat out people and all the, and all the, and all that stuff and uh, even even killing people like that that were that were nonviolent and setting them up and. Like, tra like treating them like they were like a fucking terrorist group, essentially. And the fact that, like, now 
even 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 with Black Lives Matter, where it's like there's never been there's never been a face of it. There's never been like a like a leader for this thing, and the fact that it's still getting treated as if it's like some some to some terrorist group that's out to uh <laughs> take terror like take down the white man and uh it's all about black supremacy as where like we're being racist towards white people now it's it it, it it never blows it never blows my mind but like i'm I'm glad that you tell that story though because i think that's how a lot of people a lot of white people like still don't know how to feel or still don't know how to be an ally and i think a lot of white people a lot of white people walk on eggshells and um they try to like prove their allyness and all that kind of stuff and um so I gave I gave one negative story, but a, a somewhat positive story is uh, the guy that's the uh, department manager in the, in, the, in the department I work for at the store. He comes up to me and he's telling me, "Yo, yeah, man. By the way, like those all all those all those cops involved in the death of George Floyd should all should all be going to jail." And clearly, he only said that to me because I'm black, and he wanted to let me know race on this issue. So I don't think he's racist. I don't think he's anything like that, right? But white people like. You don't have to, like, you don't have to do that. You don't have to, like, like, as long as you use your voice and your platform and your time to speak up, to speak up on something, like, I don't, I don't need you to come there, to come, to come up and tell me, like, that these guys should go to jail. I know, I know that they should go to jail. Yeah. But I, I think it's, like, it's this thing where, like, white people, regardless of, like, what age and what generation you're born in and where you're from, like, when they still feel that way, they still like want to like show you and come and like kind of like put it in your face like hey I, I i agree with you i agree with you and you know for a lot for a lot of us right now like that's not necessarily what we want we kind of like want to like know where you're standing then be like then, then be left alone afterwards yeah definitely i mean try to just i don't know treat people like people as much as you can and then maybe do stop and think about think about yourself and internalize things more than than externalizing it you know uh, moving on, I guess. It's really tough to even think that you can move on, but it's such a big topic that you could talk about forever. Um, <laughs> to something a lot, uh, a lot more fun, right? Um, was it speak out? Hashtag speaking Spe- out. Speaking, yeah, speaking out. So really starts out with David Starr getting called out by a ex girlfriend. Um, you know, I mean, nothing that we haven't heard about David Starr. It feels like if you look at it in the surface level and then you follow all the way through with it and she's pretty, you know, pretty much saying that there's like a a term that's like, yeah, I think you mentioned it, uh, coming to grips with it more and more people are using it, but gray rape, which feels like just... I get the idea, and I think that it well, might well, help well, some well, to, well, to, well, to be clear on what his uh, what his accuser is stating, David Starr is stating that what happened between them would be classified as gray rape, which gray rape is a term that I hadn't ever seen until it was used this week. So I had to like do like some my own research on it, and gray rape pretty much is defined as anything that isn't within the standard realms of what is typically considered a, a sexual, a sexual assault or a rape. Um, whether like this, ex- this, this exchange didn't include a verbalized no, but it also would, didn't include a verbalized yes. Uh, and the person felt uncomfortable, but 
never verbalized it and regretted and didn't enjoy um the um, the, the sex with the, the, the sex with this person that could go into the category of what people try to call gray rape or right. um in some states sexual assault or rape is only defined by a forced like vaginal penetration that doesn't include for like forced oral sex forced for uh, forced anal any 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 anything like that so that again based off where you live could be considered something along the lines of gray rape yeah and, uh, and and there are some places where the laws as you mentioned that they exclude anything but uh penetration to such a extent that like basically other than a man getting raped anally they they cannot have a rape committed on them basically like you have to be there has to be a penetrative act for it to be considered a rape basically in some some jurisdictions um in that's pretty that's where this issue lies is his ex is saying that she did verbalize a no and that she repeatedly said this and david Starr is saying that she did not verb- that she did not verbalize a no henceforth he did not realize that it was not a consensual encounter um and obviously this conversation will go beyond david Starr, but just focusing on david Starr, you kind of touched on it that like david and this particular person have had some dirty laundry aired in the past um i mean not just her though david has had a history with multiple women uh yeah but not not as publicly publicly alluded to right um to the point where it'd be like widespread knowledge but there was always like the uh kind of the kind of feeling that a lot of people that were in the european scene didn't like david Starr for whatever reasons there were and now this is you know coming to light a lot of the stuff that was going on with david Starr and why a lot of women and people that are friends with these women did not like david Starr. now uh something that really stuck with me as i'm as i read through david Starr's apology is unlike unlike a lot of people who i think like allegations are going to come down on he takes full responsibility for a lot of for a lot of things he takes full responsibility for being a bad manipulative partner a cheater emotionally abusive uh things along those lines say it says he's he's been going to therapy for close to a year now and uh really just trying just trying to be a better partner for whoever he winds up being with eventually and i understood all of that and i think that uh, like if he's gonna lose like lose all these places to wrestle and his stream of income is being is being messed up and he takes it he takes the time to go and figure himself out and thoroughly apologize and really accept the damage that he did then he should then he then he has the right to go do that but in regards to the great rape part once he got there it all went out the fucking window once he got there and him and his him and his accuser are having this back and forth on what happened all of his credibility about going to therapy and trying to understand his actions understand where he was wrong it still clearly shows that he doesn't understand that yet and maybe never will and it's just it's just so frustrating and disheartening to see someone where a lot of, a lot of people like Pete Dunn have a 
kind of said that he always thought David Starr was full of shit and about his political views and this and that. And I'll be honest, like, we said it before, and I'll still stand by what I said. I don't think that a dude getting blackballed by WWE and Ring of Honor and losing out on, on like, money, on money-making deals and places where he can make money and, uh, and, and things like that, I don't think I don't think that's a guy that uh, does his be- does, like does his beliefs just for show. I I, st- I still feel that way. Yeah. Um, but in the sense where David is now being put under fire for his actions towards towards a woman, I don't think David understands that yet, and I don't think David will. In the fact that he was so immature and still not hearing out what his accuser had to say. It was really disheartening to see how that panned out, and I saw people as it was going just telling David stop tweeting, stop tweeting, and I, he was trying so hard to try to justify it. But the thing about gray rape, and I've tried to do as much research on this as possible, so I don't come out come on here being ignorant. But if you're the acute, but if you're if you're the accused, you don't get to throw that term around. That's for the accuser, the victim. So they, so whenever they, whenever they want to go to possible, possible law enforcement to try to explain what their situation was, they use that to explain to explain why this still is a sexual assault and why this still should be taken seriously and shouldn't get dismissed as anything else other than a sexual assault. That's not for you to say to defend yourself. And right, the fact that. David still kept going and going on about this and I'm not a predator I'm not this and that it was grave rape and trying to make that seem like it was fucking okay like I still believe that David Starr really does believe in unionizing and workers rights and all that stuff I believe that but and so you can realize the fact that the phrase grave rape still doesn't make it fucking okay then David Starr can't get better and as far as him, that's my thoughts. Yeah, I'm I'm with you in that. I think that David Starr's politics are still good. I think that it's a real bummer that that this. I mean, fuck, this is terrible no matter what. And using that term yeah. is wrong. But I think one thing that's frustrating for me to see is that David Starr being proven to be a shitty abuser. Which, again, I mean, it's been. To some extent, it's been an open secret in the wrestling world for a long time that he was bad with women and a b- bad in relationships, and that's no fucking secret, or at least it wasn't much of a secret. Look, um, yeah, at least like I feel like at least me and you have known that for, like since 2016, maybe. Yeah, I mean, t- t- just anecdotally, it's like he had a bad relationship that ended poorly with a girl that was a regular at PWG, you know, like, and so. I know that. I know that directly. And that was out there. I mean, that was on social media. That wasn't just a, you only know it from the whisper circles, but that was written off like, oh, you know, to use a term that, you know, people are saying should be canceled. That was, that it was a ring rat thing. And that, oh, she's just, you know, oh, it's just David. He's out, you know, being a pussy hound and, and, and she got her feelings and is, and is upset about it. And it's like, no, I mean, it seems like he's a piece of shit. And I think he, I think that he's not able to understand that. And I do think that that's why something like clinging to the, the gray rape accusation is what he's doing because he thinks that that disproves that he did anything wrong, even though it's still, as you said, that's a term that's used to say, this is still serious 
rape. I was I I was still yeah. raped is the way that that's used. It's not used to say like, oh, it's it was just gray rape, guys. I'm I'm not a a, a rapist. I'm just a gray rapist. It's like no, man, you're still a, a rapist. But like I said, uh, the thing that uh, like the very anecdotal thing that's not a big deal in the grand scheme of all this that's a fucking bummer to me is that like. Proving that David Starr, openly proving that he's a piece of shit and an abuser and a rapist, possibly. Um, it, it feels shitty to just call him that, even though you want to believe, you know, the accusations. Um, is it's, that, it's, like, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a strong term to use. It's, yeah. it's like, you you, you kind of understand, like, the apprehension, like, you still you want to say alleged, but you also believe the victim. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard line to walk. Right. And the thing is, like, this, this all coming out is, like, the chance for the stupidest fucking people in the world to now act like they were right all along about David Starr and his politics and him as a man. And I'm sorry, but like the people who are now like clap, 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 Pete Dunn, you're, oh yes, he's getting it right. Look at how great he's being and the stuff that he's saying. You're no better than the fucking like liberals who are out here like, oh, I miss George Bush. George Bush murdered more people than Donald Trump. This doesn't, David Starr being a rapist doesn't make Pete Dunn a good guy. Pete Dunn is still the same piece of shit that he was a couple months ago that everyone was talking shit about, not the way, and all the stupid tweets. Now that he's on the right side of this, it doesn't make him good. They can both both be pieces of shit. Pete Dunn, maybe not as much. Who knows? Who fucking knows that maybe he's not? But he's, at the moment, David Starr is a criminal. David Starr is an abuser. David Starr is accused of a violent sexual assault. Pete Dunn still an idiot, still an asshole, and that doesn't make him right about David Starr's politics. That's the thing that, yeah, like, you saying that really sets me off because I see people now being like, oh, maybe maybe Pete was right all along. Maybe all the people who didn't like David Starr were right all along, and actually socialism is bad. And that's not the case. This is, I mean, political assassination of someone's, like, personal life to discredit their politics is nothing fucking new. It happened to Karl Marx. People openly talked about Karl Marx was involved in what was not called at the time, but would be called now a thruple. He was with the woman that he was married with, and he was also with her sister. Um, and there was like, you know, there was issues with his wife about like, um, you know, I think like pleasing him and bearing children, things like that. Either way, the man was involved with two different women romantically for a large period of his life. And people point that out as to say, well, you know, <laughs> like, what kind of socialist is hoarding women, right? Shouldn't he be shouldn't he be redistributing the women or whatever? Like moral failings are not proof of political failings. That said, I mean David Starr was radicalized by Michael Brooks. I've talked about it. Like I li- I like Michael Brooks show. I think it's fun. But I mean Michael Brooks is a Jewish guy from New York who likes to do impressions of Nelson Mandela as a like a QAnon guy. Like, you know, he does uh, 5% or Obama as one of his characters. Like, the guy does some shit that's a little bit problematic. He's obviously very good friends with people in the black community. But, you know, he's he's one of those guys, like a Michael Rappaport, who maybe pushes the boundaries a little bit too far. Yeah, you kind of, kind of like, you have, your, you have your black friends, but you're, put, you're going a little too far here, pal. <laughs> yeah, like, he oversteps his boundaries, and he's got some friends who probably give him the pass that makes him think he's allowed to go as far as he wants, but... Like, you know, out of context, that's not cool. And that's the kind of guy that David Starr got into left-wing and socialist politics through listening to. Uh, you know, obviously, David Starr referred to himself as the dirtbag left of wrestling. So Chapo's Trap House is probably something that he checks out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the guy is... <laughs> he's a frat bro socialist. Okay. Well, what the fuck goes hand-in-hand hand with frat bros but fucking rape, right? I mean, you know, again, that doesn't make his politics wrong. It just, you know, he's a crass person. And he's also 
it turns out a really really terrible boyfriend and sexual abuser um that said i mean yeah the david star thing comes out it felt like on well, its well, well, oh, oh, go well i was gonna i was gonna ask you um so seeing how david for the for the most part in this statement does take a lot of responsibility for things that he did things that things that things that uh he said in his actions and i know this isn't like necessarily our place to answer this because we're not the ones who have to get over the trauma and devastation and the mental and the, and the mental health aspects of uh possibly seeing someone like david star return at some point but if someone like david star does take the necessary steps does get better does take the therapy does continue the therapy uh possibly possibly comes back and even like denounces the term gray rape and says he was wrong for even says he was wrong for even using that uh is a guy like that who took who took responsibility for his actions does he have a place to come back and i I feel i feel weird even posing that question to you but it's just like i'm someone that thinks a lot i'm someone that like this is gonna sound really fucking bad but like I mean, like I kind of was. I've been watching like the last couple of seasons of Thirteen Reasons Why, like just because not not like a super big fan of the show or anything. But you know what? The 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 show ended. I watched like two seasons of it. Let me just like watch like the last two of it. And one of the topics explored is can someone who's been a rapist and previous uh uh per- previous a perpetrator of sexual assault can that person be redeemed if they continue, if they do the work? And since seeing that, this question has been, that's been on my mind constantly. So it's really kind of crazy how then this David, this David star stuff then comes to light. Yeah. So I don't, I, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know where you stand. I don't know where you stand on this and I'm not, I don't know if you feel comfortable giving an answer on this. Um, I'm not even sure how I feel on this, honestly, but for someone that does the work or is willing to do the work and is not pushy on getting other people to believe them and trust them again and do all this stuff. Is there a place for someone like that to come back? Uh, for the basic like place to come back? Yes. Uh, does that mean that every person ever has to enjoy his wrestling, has to support him, has to support companies that book him, that has to buy his merch? No. I mean... Unfortunately, it's going to be a risk that people will have to be like if a if a promotion wants to work with him, they'll have to accept the risk that that could turn people off from coming to their shows anymore, from supporting them in any way anymore. Um, so the small picture, like, yes, I think that there's a place for him. And honestly, I hate to say this because it might make me sound bad, but I think that even if he does nothing, there's a place for him to come back to wrestling because... It just it is what it is. You can do yeah. At that, at that at that point, like wrestling is what it is, and at some point, someone's gonna want to book them. Right. right, but for the bigger picture about as a person and as a man, and not you know not a, I use the man to mean human basically as a as a person, as a human. Um, I you know I've talked about it I think a little bit here and there, but not too much. I believe in prison prison abolition. You know, fucking ab- abolish the police, abolish prisons. Um, 
And I, I strongly, when people kind of push on that, well, what do you do instead of prison? I believe in restorative justice. So I really think that the, the way that he does the work isn't on his own. He can't do this on his own. He really has to, through like a restorative justice model, get with the people who he's wronged and make it right with them. And that's how, you know, restorative justice works. You work directly with the people who you've harmed and you basically make things right. And that's difficult in a case like this because there's people who are, they're, they're not going to be okay and they may be triggered and it may be too hard for them to even be around him. But, you know, that's why to do a restorative justice program, you don't just like get rid of, you know, prisons and get rid of the police and then just have restorative justices done by people. You have to have counselors. You have to have a lot of things with people involved. There can be different forms of communication when people aren't comfortable being even in the same room as someone, hearing their voice, seeing them. I mean, you can communicate through intermediaries. You can deal with these things properly to get to a point where there is some form of restorative justice that happens where the person who was wrong feels like that they've been made whole and that things are right again. And that's, to me, the only real way. I don't believe in punitive justice. I don't believe that anything really gets solved by taking something away from someone or for by locking someone in a cage. I don't think that that actually fixes any of the problems or really makes anyone feel better. I think that in the moment and kind of the lizard side of people's brains, when you see someone who you think wronged you getting punished, it makes you feel better, but I don't think that it actually makes anything better. And it definitely doesn't make you a better person to feel vindicated through someone else's suffering. You're all you're really doing is creating more suffering in the world. And I think that the best way to, to, to fix things is not to feed like with like when you're gardening, it's good to feed like with like, right? You, you feed hardwood trees, hardwood. That's how they grow. In the real world, I don't think that you fix things by making more of it. If something negative happens, I don't think the way to fix it is to do more negative. I think that the way to counteract something negative is with something positive. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that David can redeem himself, but he can't do it on his own. There's no doing the work. You can go to therapy. You can apologize publicly. You can apologize even directly, privately to someone. You can do all of that. And all of that is for yourself. But none of that is is truly redeeming um, you and is redeeming the actions that you took to hurt someone else. So that's kind of my answer to that. Like, is there a place from him? Of course. Michael Elgin is wrestling on national TV. So fuck it. You can do anything and still, like, you won't be canceled forever. Like, you know, it's just wrestling is wrestling. And I think I, I honestly believe that everyone is entitled to being able to do whatever they want. And if there's a place for you, you're talented enough and it's just going to happen, then that's fine. You can't tell people who is and who isn't allowed to wrestle, but, but I cannot support it. And that goes with, that comes with the territory. But yeah, I think, but then the, the bigger picture to really prove that he's moved forward and is a better person, he has to deal with his victims directly and make amends. Um, like I said, through a, like some kind of restorative justice process, even if it's not as formal as what, what I wish existed in the world, just because that doesn't exist in the world as much. Um, in some way, you can try to to mitigate the damage that you did um, by directly, you know, working with the people that you victimized. Um, so other than David Starr, dozens have, dozens of other people within the wrestling community have had allegations levied against them going from people like uh matt riddle who you mentioned who you you mentioned earlier jordan devlin uh uh mark perry 
uh, I guess what known as Paz. I, I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, Joel Redman. Joel, Joel Redman, uh, Martin Zaki. Oh shit, shit! I think I misspoke. Not Joel Redman. I meant the the guy from Suplex. Is he Joel Redman? Oh, Joel jo- Joel Allen. Joel Allen. I think. No. I should. Yeah, I should. I should. We'll, scra- we'll scratch. We'll scratch. Yeah, we'll scratch that until we until we know for sure. Don't yeah. remember saying Joel Allen or Joel Redman. Yeah. Um. Definitely not Joel Redman. That's the wrestler. Um. Yeah, he's. I mean, I'm not saying that he's perfect, but I, there hasn't been anything that's said about him. Uh, anyway, sorry. Um. There was a, a, a deleted tweet about Darby Allen. Uh, yeah. Trent, uh, there's something going on about Trent. Something with Trent Seven. Um. Yeah, and plenty of other people. Uh, ranging from straight up predatory behavior on their behalf to maybe a promotion um, being com- being complicit uh, in some in someone's behavior in the case of uh, in the case of IPW. Um, so next, I want to go to I want to go to Progress. Yeah. Um, so Progress did a a lot wrong. In the, la- in, the la- in the last day or so in, their regard- in regards to their response to everything that's going on. One was the way they t- they, des- they decided to title their uh, their, pre- their press release. Um, and they call it the darkest timeline. Which, again, go fuck yourself. Like, people are coming out about being sexually assaulted. This is not time for you to get like, get, like, like wax and wane and be poetic. This is not the time for that. And it's a it's a fucking joke from a comedy show from like the early two thousands. It's it's originally from Community, which is funny because we've been rewatching Community lately. Here, me and my wife. But yeah, it's you're you're it's a jokey meme. You fucking pieces of shit. Like, grow the fuck up, Jesus Christ. Um, and so one of the things that got levied at John Briley, who John like who runs the. Progress socials, or at one point gave them up, and now was running it again. Uh, people brought up to him the Pollyanna situation from a few years ago, in which Pollyanna stopped wrestling for Progress, and he admits that there was a conversation with Pollyanna where um, she brought this she brought this stuff to them. I'm assuming as Jim, John, and Glenn about what had happened between her and Scotty Essex or Scotty Wainwright. And their response is, well, Pollyanna brought that brought that to us, but the guy that she accused never worked for our company, ever. And just based off of that, I can see their point when someone tries to say, well, they were complicit or illicit in something, when a guy that was never part of their roster or their promotion gets getting getting accused of something. From that standpoint. Purely, I understand what they mean. Now, when it comes to how much they did, they how much help they seem to offer Pollyanna, or how much they even seem to like take her, uh, take her approaching them seriously, it seems like not serious enough because obviously she winds up walking away from the company, and people that were flat out blackballing her and bullying her and calling her a liar and Will Osprey and B Priestley continue to be booked by the company, and. I don't know the ins and outs of what Pollyanna was going to them for exactly and what kind of help that she was looking for. But the fact that Briley is getting that brought to him and he doesn't know and he doesn't know what people mean was like, well, what about what about this Will Ospreay tweet right here? 
And he's like, well, what do you guys, well, what do you mean? What, what I should have done? Like, yeah, you should fucking scold Will Ospreay for telling this, for telling her that I know Scotty, he's my best friend, he wouldn't do that. Go fuck yourself, you fucking liar. Like, you should tell him not. that's not fucking okay. You should suspend him. You should get rid of him from your company. And be Priestley, that should have been the same thing happening. So... Purely from so purely from the Scotty Scotty asking didn't work with us, I I, I kind of understood their point, but everything else after that that was purely on them, and part of why I believe Polly walked away was because that they showed no intention of putting two and two together and realizing well hey like we have B Priestley we have Will Ospreay we have Paul Robinson all we're all working all working here still, and. We can't possibly understand why this woman is coming forward, coming forward to us, might not be comfortable, and might be leaving. At, at some point, you just got to put fucking two and two together there, and it just seems, and it just seems like they never did. So for me, that's like that's like that's the first strike there. Yeah. Second, Jesus. Um. Well, you 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 could you can jump in there. Before I just just gonna second, interject. Sorry. It's it's fucking crazy to think about because even at that time, like Will was not. Will Ospreay. He was still very young and very dumb, and he wasn't the greatest wrestler in the world, uh, unequivocally, undeniably, whatever. Like, Progress could have easily cut ties with him or at least said, hey, like, we're the biggest promotion in England right now, basically. We're hot. We're growing. You can't act like this here. And, again, like, suspension, termination, anything. Just make it clear that that's not acceptable in your locker room, number one. Number two, I mean... When Pollyanna left, that was really, to me, in a lot of ways, was, like, the death of the progress women's wrestling scene having any depth and any backbone. And it turned into, like, the Ginny show, and that was it. And there was nobody else of any of any quality ever for long term in the progress wrestling, like, women's roster. And you can, like, kind of look at it that, like, they didn't back a veteran female wrestler in a time where she really deserved it. And after that, like, why are other women going to really commit and, and, and work really hard to be think that they're going to be taken seriously by the company because they're 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 clearly not you know so it's just it's fucking sad to think about how much that affected not just progress when i talk about that but like the entire british wrestling scene it goes from there it goes to now now osprey is the golden boy and he can get away with all of the stupid shit that he constantly says everywhere back you know behind the scenes and on social media and he just gets away with it no matter what and and the female wrestlers continue to take a back seat so much so that them Again, we get more and more stories coming out that all around this time, all of this shit was going on. And if Progress had put their fucking foot down then when they were, you know, everyone's welcome, don't be a dick. If they had told Osprey, don't be a dick, then maybe they could have been a sign of changing things a lot sooner in the in the British wrestling scene so that we wouldn't have so many of these stories still coming out. Um, strike number two. There's... A man that told a story about uh, told a story about how he went to a bar and just uh, for no reason Jimmy Havoc punched him in the face. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure if this was one of Progress's after parties, which um, which them and Fight Club Pro both seem to do, which is gonna definitely gonna be right. a topic we get to in a, in, a, in a bit. But they're always unsanctioned. Much. They're oh, they're not official. But every wrestler that was on the show basically goes, and most of the fans go. So you know they and, sta- to, and staff yeah, and will staff, be so will be yeah. So they get to separate um, themselves from it, but th- it's almost completely endorsed by the company. Uh huh. So I'm not so so part of me, but I don't I don't know if this was a uh, quote unquote com- company uh, show show after party or if it was just a random time after a show when they saw Jimmy Havoc. Uh, but Jimmy Havoc punches him in the face. 
Jimmy Havoc assaults a dude. And he emails Progress. And Progress's stance on someone coming to them and saying that, hey, Jimmy Havoc fucking assaulted me and punched me in the face for no reason. It's like, hey, man, sorry to hear that. But, uh, you know, sadly, like, you know, Jimmy Havoc isn't uh, under contract here. He's not, uh, we're, like, in what, he, in what he does in his free time, like, we don't have, uh, you know, too much say so in that. We can talk to him about his behavior. But other than that, we really can't too much, do much for you. He fucking punched a dude in the face for no reason. This is like your like defining character. This is your defining guy in your company's history. And you're saying that you can't go fucking talk to him and say that, hey, randomly assaulting a dude isn't okay. Did he even say in that response email, like, I think he was just protecting his character? <sighs> I would, I, I would, I'd, have, I'd have to go find I think it. I'm not sure. That. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that he said that in there. Like, based on Jesus how I know Christ. Jimmy, I think he's just protecting his character also. Yeah, man, it's this is the face of your fucking company. This is the guy that is the face of your company, and that's the best you can offer. That is the absolute best you can offer. If Jimmy Havoc was gonna listen to anybody, he would listen to you. Yeah, and that is the best you can give. It's God, man. It's it's insane. It's insane fucking behavior from them. In third strike when Millie McKenzie decides to post screenshots from her cop from a conversation between her and Travis Banks and progress's initial tweet is to be like in a lot of the time I do think progress does word stuff badly but they have the right intention I do believe that yeah I do believe I do believe that like so they like they'll word thing they'll word something badly and they'll come back with the better I do I do believe that they they, they do that. But even if you want to play that game with this one, it's like what the fuck were you thinking being like, I believe Millie. I'm not sure this was that this is this happened at our promotion, but nonetheless, we believe and support Millie McKenzie. What what fucking vanity? What right. fucking like regardless of like protecting your own ass before anything makes you put yourself into the equation nothing about this said it was a progress show said it was a progress said it was a progress weekend anything like that in the text said nothing like that but your instinct is to say i don't believe it happened at our promotion but there is no but there you shouldn't have suited your promotion in there in the first place you should have it should have been what the follow what the uh, excuse me the replace tweet was we believe Millie McKenzie, Travis Banks is out of here. Yeah. That's all it should have been. But when you make it about your fucking self, that's what it becomes. That's what then, even if even if that's even if that's not what you mean, even if that's not what you stand for, you're making it about yourself. You're making it about covering your own asses before believing the people that are coming forward being accused. And like that's like three that's three fucking strikes and just like maybe less than twenty four hours. And I don't blame anybody that, like, at this point is getting progress the fuck out of here. It's saying, throw them in the bin, stop supporting, anything like that. Because now it's so clear that they, it's so ego-driven. They don't give a fuck. They want to sit there and be all about this all-inclusive, everyone welcome, don't be a dick, and it's all just lip service 
every fucking bit of it is just lip service because when it's time to put your money where your mouth is, all you care about is yourselves and escaping responsibility. That's all you care about. Yeah. So fuck progress. Yeah, and it and throughout all of this happening too, it's it's again, it's very easy to throw progress in the bin because I already was had stopped caring about them and wanted to see them. So, you know, me saying it, whatever. A ton of other people are saying it now. That's great. Like, people can say whatever. I had an axe to grind. I don't like them. That, yeah, I didn't. I, I was already done with progress anyways. We've talked about it here on the podcast enough. You know, personal feeling personal animosity towards them because of what happened and the way everything fell out. Sure. But, like, it's fucking bad for them. Very bad for them. When you talk about all those strikes and then they've got, like, their their mascot for inclusion the guy that like started their whole everyone's welcome and doing a fucking rainbow print progress shirt in jack sesmith also gets accused of being a sexual assaulter oh that's fucking great like you know like even their even their like i hate to say like token but even their like you know their queer character that they put out in the open to be like oh look at how progressive we are we support this this character like he's a fucking sexual abuser as well great uh, yeah, progress just looks like shit. It's all fucking. It's all that Stephanie McMahon quote, right? Uh, uh, philanthropy is the future of, uh, of 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 advertisement. It's the way that corporations win. Um, that's what this is. Like <laughs> progress is all this fucking shiny veneer, all being positive. But then it is. I don't think that this happened at any of our shows. <sighs> don't make this about you, progress. Like it's not about you. It's about someone who was very young, being sexually exploited by someone who was. Very like her senior and her trainer. Oh, just, and God, I, this this kind of shit hits a fucking like nerve for me, and it's like I already feel like my blood boiling, right? Because too many times in my life have I like, well, one like let me be completely transparent. I've personally uh, been involved with at least three women, possibly four, on how she herself would categorize it. That have been sexually assaulted, in some in some capacity, and I have even more women in my life that at one point were being engaged with by a man that was either either significantly older than them, or in trying to get them, get with them, and they were like a, like a minor, but still like you know on the border, like a like a seventeen, or someone that was just flat out like you know being pervy to them when they were like 12, 13, 14, and they were right. still significantly older. And the one thing I can, like the one thing I can never understand, right. Is like part of me when I was younger, I would, I would sit there and hear these things. And I'm like, man, like what the fuck are you doing with, uh, like being 30, I mean, being like, like you know, being 17, eight, being 17 or 18, you know, even if 18 is legal and like fucking like entertaining, a. 28 29 30 year old dude he like what like what what does he want from you it should be clear what he wants from you and at that point like i, I got older and i realized like the manipulative game and like how much like even if like being someone that had maybe like is inexperienced in relationships and all that stuff and i feel like someone you can trust you like that someone actually cares about you and just like you stop trying to like sit like figure out what figure out a way to like you know Point as like as like why the girl or the or the uh, person didn't know any better because obviously this this happens to guys as well it happened to Dan Maloney in the way in the way that he phrased it in his in his time with Martin Zaki, um, that it all comes down to dudes and their predatory fucking behavior and 
the fact that they know that they can manipulate these women that confide in them and are less experienced and they can coerce them and do things and they don't have they don't have to they don't have to feel like any uh don't have to feel scared about anything they can cheat on them they can lie to them they can threaten them they can uh threaten self-harm if they leave them and all that kind of stuff and just rule this person's life by fear so when i see what travis banks did to poor fucking millie man it just like really really hits a nerve as to why as like i hate dudes like that i hate them so fucking much like even if you want if they want to hide behind the veil of well you know um the age of the age of consent here is uh fucking 16 or 17 or whatever if you want to if you want to hide behind that go right ahead you coward go right ahead but i just hate the dudes viscerally that do shit like that and i wish more of these people's friends spoke up and this is gonna get to the uh people kind of like talking about the uh the shot the shot and graphs guys and uh in uh the fight club pro people and saying that people could people that should have like should have done better should have done more and well i'm i'm frustrated and i can't imagine how how frenzy people must be frustrated or fellow how fellow how much fellow women must be frustrated or anyone with a fucking conscience how much they should be frustrated by hearing the things that are coming out I do want to say, though, that even in an environment where it is out in the open and you are at a wrestling show and uh, you are at an after party and for all I know, more stories might come out, but we can't assume that everyone knows something. I understand the frustration. I understand the anger. I understand the passion. I understand the need to the desire to want to like, things have to change we think we have to be better we have to do better with with our safety here but there's a reason why people who are rapists and pedophiles don't tell anybody that they're rapists and pedophiles no one no one goes out there just saying that kind of shit no one goes out there just like completely saying how emotionally and verbally verbally and physically abusive they are towards their partner or the fact that they're that they're being creepy towards a woman in private. They don't go brag about those kind of things to their friends. Those are things they keep to themselves and keep between the person that they made an unwanted advance on, so they control that person by fear. I understand that in some cases that people people may know more things than than they allude to, and everyone has a right to be skeptical and have questions and all that stuff. I totally get it, but I do want to say that just remember. People do nasty, dark shit behind closed doors. It's not always out front and someone and for some for someone to take a stand and help out because that stuff isn't always happening where someone can see it. And in the case of Travis Banks and Emily McKenzie, Chris Brooks says that he wishes that he could have done more. And you know, at some point when you're familiar with both like the acute, but both the accuser and the accused. You gotta, oh, you got you have you have to do things based off what the victim wants, and if the victim doesn't want this to be blown up and to become a big deal because they're still scared, they still don't know what they want to do, then you have to respect the victim's wishes. And I I I I think that's what Chris Brooks did. Um, 
if more comes out, then maybe my stance will change. But uh, yeah, just something I wanted to say here is that I under I understand all the frustration and anger, but just because someone is friends with somebody, we can't assume that they knew something. We just we just can't. We can ask them questions. We have every right to ask questions, but we shouldn't just assume that because someone is friends with somebody or that they worked a promotion or they worked a show, we can't assume that that means they were in on it, that they knew, and that they were complicit in some type of abuse. Yeah, no, and I, I, I see people with that take where it's like, well, if I had heard this and that, and if I knew, then do you think that the people in the business didn't hear this and that? And it's like, yeah, I mean, yes, kind of, yes. I mean, it's not shocking, like... I don't know when someone's having an affair, people who are not involved in the relationship whisper and talk about it. But you know, no one tells the person's partner. There's people who don't know, you know what I mean? Where it's like a bunch of people know that someone's cheating on their wife, but, but the wife doesn't know. So it's the same thing. It's like, you might think that it's different or whatever, but when people are that close to it and they're in the circle with the person, they're making sure that that person doesn't find out. They're making sure that their friends who are also friends with the, the person they're abusing is not one of the people who finds out. The people outside of the circle might whisper and talk to each other because those are the people who get the little details and secrets here and there and they whisper and talk about it. But the people who are right up next to it never hear a word for, about it. And and yeah, when I do see someone tweet out, well, I knew, so how, can you believe that the wrestlers don't know? It's like, well, then why didn't you tell anyone? Why didn't you tell the wrestlers if you knew? If you knew so much and you were so sure of it and you were 100% certain that that was true, then the wrestlers that you think should have done something, why didn't you ever speak up to them and say, hey, what do you think about Travis Banks and what's going on with him and Millie? Instead, you say, well, I knew about it. I had heard about it. So they knew. But you don't check with anyone who could maybe actually do something. Check with someone who's close to the situation and can say, yeah, actually, it looks bad, but X, Y, Z. And again, like you said, there's agency to the person involved. Millie McKenzie is 100% correct when she talks about the fact that she was underage. And even if the consent laws where they are say that at her age, technically, she could be of age in certain situations. I was like, she's been posting and she even just posted a screen cap of like the direct letter of the law that talked about how like basically... There's an age range where you can be from like 16 to 18. You can date people who are up to like 20 or something, but not, you know, or be with someone who's up to like 20, but not someone who's in their 30s, you know, or something like that. So it's like, or not, not only that, it's like, um, like said, like so like something, like whatever it is, like something isn't okay under the pretense that like this is like a person you trust, right, or whatever, like sexual assault or any kind of mistreatment un- under the duress of someone that you trust, which you know, Travis Banks will fall in the category being her trainer or one of her trainers, then yeah, like this, this, as far as I've seen there, there's people coming together to get some sort of legal action going towards that. And for Travis Banks, that is going to be a, that's, that's going to be a very real situation for him is probably one of the situations that I could see actually leading to some sort of jail time because of the fact that that, his relationship with Millie would fall under the category of someone that is to be trusted by the by the underage by the underage uh, party. Yeah, and and it's again, it's like as their friends, as the people who are close to the situation, the Schottenfreud guys, and the people who run Fight Club Pro and all that stuff. It's like you want to give her her agency, and you want her to be able to make her own decisions. And you know, she's 
in some ways an adult and in other ways not and so you don't want to decide for her that it's an abusive relationship right and and you can check in with someone and they probably will tell you like it's fine like i'm not saying that this directly happened but i could definitely see that anyone who like saw that there was a relationship or whatever going on there would probably have not gotten a reaction from her to say like i'm miserable that i'm with this person because that's not how abusive relationships work and that's why when i see people who are like well then why did you stay with them and i'm just like you've never been in an abusive relationship you don't understand what it's like i i have i was in an abusive relationship for a very long time i was engaged to someone who was physically violent emotionally manipulative would belittle me constantly. She figured out the best ways to pick on me. I have really weird social, like, you know, issues with my self-esteem. I always have. I probably always will. I've tried to deal with it as much as I can. You know, when I was growing up, I had an eating disorder. I still kind of do. My issues with food are pretty intense. Like, all of that stuff. And I was manipulated, again, emotionally. And I was physically abused. And I stayed with this person for years. Because I thought that I was in love with them. And I thought that that's just how it worked. We we sell people these ideas, like. But out of curiosity, how old how old were you? When I mean, relationship was from happening? like high school until like, you know, early twenties, basically. And that and that's kind of going to like what I was going to say in regards to Millie is like, when you just not that experience or have that or have had that many like real relationships. Yep. Abuse can be construed can be like construed as love at first. And you'll defend that person and you won't see anything wrong with it. And even when you do start to see things wrong with it, you'll hide it because you still think you love that person and you don't want to get them in trouble and all that kind of stuff. And this is just all assuming I don't know what the case was with Millie and Travis. But even if someone like a Chris Brooks did at one point see, did see something and try to step in, if there were incidents that happened that made, that made people raise an eyebrow, if Millie didn't want to do anything about it, if Millie said, no, it's fine, sometimes it happens, and this and that, if she says that, she's the party that determines that. It's right. like when 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 a, when a neighbor when a neighbor calls the police because they, they hear fighting or what seems like physical violence going on in a neighboring house, it is then based off how the abused party wants to proceed with what had just happened. And a lot of the times when a woman is getting abused, getting abused by a man or possibly the other way around. But for argument's sake, when a woman is getting abused by her partner and the cops and the, and the cops come in and they detain him, if she says, no, it's okay. We were just arguing. Nothing happened. They have, they'll let him go because at the end of the day, she's the party that has to say, so she's the party that they are looking out for. And if she says, no, it's fine. Then he's getting let go. Yeah. That's how that that's that like, that's how that works, and sadly, that's a like that's a much larger conversation that we have to get into. But when someone is an, isn't an abusive, emotionally emotionally manipulative relationship, that's just that's just how it goes a lot of the time. And I mean, it's tough. I mean, for me, again, I was just like kind of I was on the the path of talking about how society kind of glorifies the the violent mood swings of the 
of the artist you know it's the same thing that's like interlinked with like oh you you know you take wild drugs and you take heroin and you become this like amazing transcendent artist like Kurt Cobain and and you're tumultuous and you fight and you shout and you do all this stuff but that passion is where great art comes from and people believe that I mean people really do they're sold that and they believe it and when you're young people like people like Nina Simone tearing themselves apart and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. So you're sold this idea that that's, you know, brilliant artists are tormented. And that, so then, yeah, like if you're trying to do something in the performance art, like then of course you're going to be in a tumultual, a tumultuous, violent relationship that has all of these issues that one minute you're madly in love with someone and the next minute you hate them completely because that's how it works. If I'm an artist, then I have to have passionate, super, hard like super big fiery emotions about everything i can never be gray and in the middle and then speaking of gray and in the middle millie's also getting trained by travis so there is a weird gray zone there where professional wrestling is physical and violent so that opens the door to like well i mean part of our relationship when we're training wrestling we get we have physical contact with each other that's like aggressive and maybe we're not like trying to hurt each other but I find that when a relationship, when you open the door to there being any kind of physical violence of any kind, any interaction like that, it just begats more because it becomes like, well, we've already kind of opened this door. We can be a little bit like, you know, aggressive towards each other and it's okay. So it's just like all of that stuff can create like this, this habitat, this idea that like a relationship like that is normal. And that's probably why she's so young and she's with someone who she, like you said, should trust and... I, I can't imagine that at the time Millie really thought that it was all that bad and wrong and that she was being abused. And that's why now you look back on it and yes, that's what was happening. And I think that like, that's something that people really don't understand when they ask, why didn't you come out sooner? Why didn't you say anything while it was happening? Why did you wait until Matt Riddle was debuting on SmackDown to say something? Overlooking the fact that this is a cultural movement, overlooking the fact that even a couple of years ago, if a woman came out and said any of this stuff, people just wouldn't take them seriously. You know, uh, you, I'm glad you said this, right? A, t- a turning point for me when it came to like, I'm not I would say a turning point, but they think that something that was an eye opener, right? Is like recently when the Jeffrey Epstein doc, doc series came out, and I remember when it came to like Bill Cosby and Jeffrey Epstein. Not that I didn't believe the accusations or believe the allegations, but like the like the sheer volume of it, right? Like fucking like seventy women, eighty women, fifty women in. He like he he did that to so many women. It's like astronomical. It's like hard to grasp that someone could be capable of doing that. You like start thinking of like where's like how do you find the time to do that? How do you even do that? And then I watched the Jeffrey Epstein doc, and you see how easily it is, how easily someone like Jeffrey Epstein with all his resources and his money, that he could just build this like pyramid scheme full of young women from like. 13, 15 years old, uh, in their 20s, all this stuff, and coerce them into sexual acts to forcibly rape them, to have his wife forcibly rape them, and how long something like that could go on. And obviously that's like a, that's a much larger scale with someone that has billions of dollars to sit there and have at their defense when, when ready and necessary. But think about that in the context of wrestling now, where these wrestlers, if you get any modicum of success, you get like uh, thousands of Twitter, thousands of Twitter and Instagram followers. You see a bunch of a bunch of women at shows. 
Um, and you see a bunch of women at different at different shows too. You see some familiar faces, but you see uh, you're more likely to see like a, di- a different person, a different face every time out. Getting and flown how to different easy, countries. How, you're getting flown around flo- the world. Yeah, flo- yeah. When you get flown to different countries, and you see how easily, how easy now it's like, fuck. There's a real chain that could happen here. There's a real chain of like, okay, I mess with this person, didn't work, didn't really work out here. I'm gonna go bother this person. I'm gonna go send a dick pic to this person. I'm gonna um coerce. I'm gonna try to coerce this person. That didn't work out. I'm gonna go here now. And like, for me, like I was like, fuck. Like I can really understand this now. And I feel bad that I didn't really get it well, sooner. But seeing the Epstein doc really was like the eye opener of like how easy that shit is. You know, when you have a profession like wrestling, it's like it's even it's, it's on that scale of being just as fucking easy. And I th- some some of, some of this stuff, especially in regards to like so like the, like all the apologies, Travis Banks about to put out a statement. Uh, Trying to trying to trying to clear trying to clear some things up. Uh, Laguerre, who was one of the parties accused too, tried to uh, take response. Tried to do this thing of taking responsibility and apologizing, but then people like Amir Jordan and Kaylee Ray came forward with how he's um, abusive in other ways. Apparently, uh, made uh, Amir Jordan run for fucking four four for four hours when Amir Jordan was on Ramadan. And you know, if you're not familiar with Ramadan, yeah, uh, Amir Jordan was was fasting. He made him run for four hours. Uh, He could have killed him. So that that, that's quite possibly a hate crime. It's quite possibly a hate crime. Um, In I I think for me, I guess like maybe the uh, one of the one of the one of the last part one of the last things I want to get into is. People put places like Progress and Fight Club Pro when they have these after parties, uh, whether official, unofficial, whatever, the, these hangouts. And part of why the Brit Rest community seemed so welcoming is like it seemed really communal, right? It seemed like so friendly. Everyone knows each other. Everyone likes each other. It just seemed like a good. It just seemed like a fun, good time. And then, like obviously, like there's this insidious underbelly to it where a whole bunch of seedy, nasty, disgusting, heinous shit is going on. And I imagine as more stuff comes out, a lot of it's going to be related to more of these uh, parties and things along those lines. And at a party, obviously not everyone is looking to see what someone is doing. Um, That's just not how parties work, usually. If you're at a party, you're just looking to look like you know you're drinking you're dancing quite possibly looking at looking for someone to dance with possibly someone to flirt with but you're not always looking at what your friends are doing or what might be happening in the immediate area of you you're kind of like in your own world with your with your people doing whatever um but when it's happening on your watch really when you when you get some of these stories coming out talking about sexual assaults or uh unwanted sexual events is being made at parties that you are throwing and what like i i really do think that people like companies like fight club pro and progress do need to take a step back and realize the kind of culture they're enabling they're enabling this kind of culture where oh we're all family we're all friends we all love each other everyone's cool here so when something does happen 
no one feels empowered to speak out because this person is so beloved because we are so communal because we are so insular because we all are friends with each other because everyone is so cool and nice and friendly and loving from the outside that if something unwanted and evil and dirty happens then when you try to bring that to someone's attention you're so afraid that no one's going to believe that and something that once was a positive for the british wrestling scene i think how welcoming uh how welcoming it seemed and felt i think then became at some point something that really is a problem and i'm not sure how you feel about that but at some point like well, in the, immediate, in the immediate future, I guess, whenever people start running shows again, this kind of thing needs to be addressed. And whether that's the end of the hangouts, end of the shows, end of the after parties and all that kind of stuff, something needs to happen because it does enable this kind of culture and behavior. Yeah, and I, I, I get where you're coming from, but the thing that pops in my head is like, there's like sweet stuff that I can't vouch for because I don't know, but stuff that on the surface seems sweet. Like when you hear about... Um, you know, Sarah, I guess Sarah 4L, she changed her Twitter handle, so I, I can use that to say, um, I, I hate to reference someone as just being someone's wife, you know, it feels bad, but, uh, putting together with the other Sarah that she does the podcast with, like putting together like the WXW 16 karat weekend bowling night where the wrestlers and the fans all come and bowl. And like, that seems nice. And it's being put together by two women and you hope that it's a safe space and it's not, just at a bar or at a nightclub, which I think does encourage people to over drink and party and get a little bit loose and maybe make some decisions that they wouldn't do in a more like family friendly environment, you know? So it is, it, it is kind of shitty to say like none of that stuff should exist or something like, you know, the SCI weekend where they would do like the Q and A's and you hear the stories about the SCI prom and how disgusting it is. But like, you know, when they're just hanging out and, and, and doing the Q and A's and the family friendly kind of stuff, um, it's like, Cool. And again, I think that some of the SCI prom stuff and disgustingness is like not in the same conversation as this. I'm just saying like it gets it gets rowdy, I think is what people say. Not just, just just more just more in the realm of like mingling fans and wrestlers yeah. with alcohol and drinks and bad decisions. Yeah, and I just think that maybe some of that is the issue, but you can still have things that are maybe a little bit more family friendly and, and there's going to be wrestlers who are not interested in that, obviously. Because, you know, drinking and hanging out and possibly getting laid is like a lot cooler than, than bowling. You know what I mean? For some people, for other people, that's what they want. And I think that unfortunately, like when you talk about that, it, Oh, it's this exclusive thing and we're all friends and we're all family and it's, it's tight knit. I think that unfortunately that's like, sometimes that's like letting the wolf into the hen house when you do that, because women who normally in any other setting, and I say women and it could be anyone because I know that men also get, you know, abused and, and, and have issues. But Women, unfortunately, don't have male privilege, so women tend to be more on guard for sexual assault and abuse than men do. And I think that when you create this environment where you say, everyone's welcome and we're all family and everything's great, some women, if they go long enough, let their guard down and do think that, well, if they're here, they're family. Because progress wrestling is the olive garden of wrestling. Um, and and, and not, not only that, it's like when, like, with these meet and greets and you hear, like, with people, like, you know, talk about oh my god, like like such and such wouldn't do that. He's such a nice guy when I when I yeah. when I met him at the, at the merch table, and that kind of behavior, and it almost makes you wonder like maybe we really should go back to just like limiting the contact between wrestlers and fans and all that stuff. Like 
just like just so we can avoid this kind of shit. But at the end of the day, like the real answer should be mention like mention no not to fucking abuse people right. and abuse their and, and abuse their power. Because obviously it's not just it's not just happening to women who are fans and women who are um you know these like friends with these wrestlers happening to happening to female wrestlers too, women that are being uh you know uh trained by the by these guys and women that feel like they have that they're trapped and have nowhere else to go and they're scared because this person is their trainer and they sell these they sell these wolf tickets of oh you gonna tell anybody I'll ruin your career before it even starts and just like like controlling this person's life by fear and that shit like and like we're like we're talking about this stuff and like maybe that stuff needs to be revised but at the end of the day like this does come down to the fact that men need to know that they just can't do whatever the fuck they want and it's just like so na- like this nasty predatory behavior isn't okay just because you have power and leverage over somebody yeah no yeah and exactly that's I mean, you know, I'm kind of saying, and it, it wasn't a, I wasn't trying to do like a victim blaming thing and say that the culture. Oh, oh, oh no, acceptable. of course, of course, of course. It's like it's like offering solutions. Yeah, yeah, I'm just I'm just clarifying that I think that yes, I get where you're coming from. That the like after hours hangout vibes, especially when you've created a scene that that some people feel comfortable and safe, and they may let down their guard that they normally would have, and that's not to blame them in any way, but that's just to say that that happens. And then you have the predator, the person who is to blame who's now going to take advantage of the situation of being like, oh, you know, like, again, like I said, like wolf in the hen house, like they feel safe here now. This is the perfect time for me to attack. And that's fucking disgusting. And that's the real issue. And I did have a conversation with a, uh, you know, I'll say a former wrestling media personality who's been away for a while. um, And we were talking and, you know, there was kind of, it was brought up like, trial by social media isn't the the best way to go about things and i i agree that it's not i don't think that it's you know the best situation but it's unfortunately the only one that we have when we have killer police in the streets who murder people for whatever fucking reason they want we have major social justice issues in general things get swept under the rug things get brother brothered rape 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 back rape rape charges rarely get brought all the way to trial and when they get brought to trial is even it's even rarer that these, that the person goes to jail exactly and you have all of that sometimes the best thing that we can do is to crowdsource our justice and not even justice to just crowdsource trying to create and foster a better community where if it's out in the open then at least in the future it may not fix the abusers and it may not make them better people but at least they're scared to do it because they know that they're not going to get away with it it's not going to be kept secret and that's kind of, to me, that's the positive of it. Speaking up is not necessarily going to create justice. It's not going to fix anybody. But what it's going to do is just hopefully some of the abusers and some of the shitty people will be too afraid because they're cowards. Most of the time, the kind of people who do this stuff don't do it out of they feel entitled in their power. They do it out of feeling small and weak. And they're taking advantage of someone because they think that that's the only way that they can get what they want, which what they want what they really want is a true, you know, emotional connection with someone. But because they probably, a lot of them, and Jimmy Havoc is one where you hear the way he talks about it, it's very clear, you know, to play, you know, armchair psychiatrist here, that he has major issues with his self-worth, major issues with himself. And rather than get what he truly would want, which is like a nourishing relationship where you reciprocate and feel like you're equals with someone, what you just try to get is basically to be with someone who you find sexually attractive and have physical and emotional and mental dominance over them to make you feel better about yourself 
But if those kind of people who try to use those situations to make themselves feel a little bit better, like I said, are, are too cowardly to do it if they know that people are going to find out and call them out for it, then stuff like this on social media can at least detract those people from doing this kind of stuff. Unfortunately, you've got people like based on the story who knows but like the matt riddle story that sounds like just a fucking predator the kind of person who with all of the physical and like training and violent nature that he has and the ability to create damage to another human being that he has to take advantage of that in the way that he did against a person so much weaker that doesn't feel like the same thing and that's why that story was so like viscerally hard for me to get over because the sniveling snidling weak person who emotionally is looking for something that they can't get so they deal with second best by by taking advantage of a situation is one thing and again i think that you can call that out and you can fix it but the the violent predator nature of someone who does something like that i don't know how you deal with that really you know like that's that's kind of the issue there so i think that again maybe some distance again like you said some not getting people to be like, oh, everything's fine, we're all buddies, and, and fostering this weird community parasocial relationship with the promotion to make people feel comfortable because it helps you sell more tickets. And then also like having a scene where accusers are believed and people feel comfortable coming out and directly saying that things that are happening are wrong can kind of help to make things a little bit better. Um, uh, so, uh, so Pollyanna's Twitter account that just came across my uh, oh no came across my timeline, and um, I just want I just wanted wanted to read something. Um, please don't think because I accepted Progress's apology, I will take your apology. You truly de- do deserve this. Well, you don't know what you put me through. You both are bad people, and I hope you both get what you deserve. Um, so I guess to, I guess to me that is implying that um. The, the 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 part the part of progress's blame that goes on there that Polly has forgiven them for, but Will yeah like that's Will Will's Will Will's part there he he really should have always gotten gotten more for that, and I just it it just it just really sucks to see. Um, we went almost two hours on this so. I think that we, me and you, have given a proper light to everything that's going on. Uh, I believe, I, be, I believe the, I believe the, I believe the women. I believe everyone that is uh, uh, telling stories right now. Uh, and let me say, like even beyond women, you know, to men that are telling their stories, I, I believe them, and we should all take this stuff seriously. And it's, we shouldn't be so quick to dismiss it because we're someone's friend and we don't know what they do behind closed doors um the same the same reason i the same reason i say when just because your friends just, just because someone is friends with somebody doesn't mean they knew what was going on just because you're friends with somebody doesn't mean you also know them that well and like you said people hide stuff they don't show everybody they, people don't show themselves they show like their true selves to everybody all the time so just because you've known someone for for X years and this person slept on your couch doesn't mean you know what truly goes on in their head, how they view women, how, how the stuff that's in their phone, you don't know. So keep that in mind as well. Uh, Timothy, anything you want to add? 
No, that's it. I mean, yeah, believe, believe, accusers believe women. Obviously, Black Lives Matter. Like, that's the only important stuff that comes out of this, I guess. Yeah, um, I guess we'll, I guess we'll be back at some point. Uh, thank you all for listening. Hope you're here for whenever we feel okay to do more stuff again and arrest all the cops that were involved in the murder of Breonna Taylor. You have the emergence in human society of this thing that's called the state. What is the state? The state is this organized bureaucracy. It is the police department. It is the army, the navy. It is the prison system, the courts, and what have you. This is the state. It is a repressive organization. But the state in three well, you know, you've got to have the police, because if there were no police, look at what you'd be doing to yourselves. You'd be killing each other if there were no police. But the reality is, the police become necessary in human society. You know how we think Organize the hood under our ching banners Red, black, and green instead of gang bandanas FBI spying on us through the radio antennas And them hitting cameras in the street like watching society With no respect for the people's right to privacy I take a slug for the cause like Huey P While all you fake niggas try to copy Master P I wanna be free to live Able to have what I need to live Bring the power back to the street where the people live We sick of working for crumbs and filling up the prisons Dying over money and relying on religion for help we do for self like ants in a colony organize the wealth into a socialist economy a way of life based off the common needs and all my comrades is ready we just spreading the seed you have black male live a third of his life in a jail cell cause the world is controlled by the white male and the people don't never get justice and the women don't never get respected and the problems don't never get solved and the jobs don't never pay enough so the rent always be late no more bondage, no more political monsters, no more secret space launches. Government departments started it in the projects, material objects, thousands up in the closets. Could have been invested in the future for my comrades. Battle contacts, primitive weapons out in combat. Many never come back, pretty niggas be running with gas. Rather get shot in they back than fire back. We're tired of that. Corporations hiring blacks, denying the facts, exploiting us all over the map. That's why I write the shit I write in my raps. It's documented, I meant it. Every day of the week, I live in it, breathing it. It's more than just fucking believing it. I'm holding in ones, rolling up my sleeves and shit. It's C-Lo for push-ups now, many headed for one conclusion. Niggas ain't ready for revolution. Yeah, this black male, live a third of his life in a jail cell. Cause the world is controlled by the white male. And the people don't never get justice. And the women don't never get respected. And the problems don't never get solved. And the jobs don't never pay enough. So the rent always be late. Can you relate? We living in a police state.